All right, we are accepting calls this hour from time travelers only. If you have traveled in time or you are presently a traveler to this time, then we want to hear from you. Otherwise, the phone lines are closed, but for that group, they are certainly open. Uh, with that in mind, uh, top of the morning to you on the wild card line. You are on the air. Hello. Hello. What is going on, everybody? How you doing? It is the Infinite Fringe, live right here on Truth Frequency Radio, on iHeartRadio, on HackerHameen.podbeam.com, on the infinitefringe.podbeam.com, and anywhere else you can hear my voice. My name is Billy Ray Valentine. Greetings and blessings to each and every one of you, man. It's a pleasure to have you here listening to me yet again, yet again. And I have a very special guest with me, somebody that I, that I haven't spoken to ever in this capacity. We've exchanged emails. He's very nice to me. Uh, allowed me to write on his site a couple of times, which if if you read my writing, you will know how nice this guy is because, you know, he, <laughs> j- j- just to let me do it is incredible. Mr. Gareth Ike is here with me, man, and, and it, it is really a pleasure to have you, sir. Um, I saw you perform once. You don't know this. I was I was in the right. audience um, in Queens, New York. When uh, when uh, David gave a speech, gave an eight hour, nine hour speech or something, and you opened up for him and you filled in when um, when he took breaks. Uh, it was dope. Yes. Yeah. It was the hottest day I can ever remember <laughs> in history. It was mental. Well, how I, hot it was. Yeah. And I, I remember my guitar broke as well, so it didn't work <laughs> in one of the songs. The sound wouldn't pick up. Yeah. And I was thinking like it's been my dream to gig in New York, and here I am, the guitar's broken. Like. What the chances? Well, you know what? But if, yeah, if we can ever get that day, if we can ever get this uh, this COVID thing sorted out, maybe you can come here and gig in New York. We can we can figure it out if you haven't done it already. Um, I'm sure you've Mate, done I'd it love several to. times. But um, I'd love to. Regardless, um, I, I was there and um, and you were playing your guitar, and I was like, oh my god, that's David's son. How cool is that? And that's how I got uh, introduced to you and what it is you do. So greetings, uh, welcome to the Infinite Fringe, and uh, we might post this on Iconic. What the hell? um uh, how are you yeah why not why not yeah thanks for having <laughs> me mate uh, it, it's a it's a pleasure to talk to you yeah man it's a it's a more than a pleasure to talk to you <clears throat> your family has been no, nothing but nice to me you know so i i, I appreciate you guys you jamie and, and 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 your father have been uh nothing but nice to me so um uh, thank you very much for taking the time to come on here and talk to me man so i, I wanted to uh have you on because i wanted to complete the trifecta I've had everybody else on, and I and I haven't had you on, so I wanted definitely to, to get you on and talk to you. But um, I do want to talk about the state of affairs over there in the UK and what's going on uh, right now, right? From what I understand, and uh, I think uh, that ended as of this recording, but you guys were under lockdown. Again, like a full country lockdown. I don't know what that looks like in the UK. Um, it's Go ahead. To be honest, like what they did is so they, they put the country into a whole full lockdown again. And then the lockdown was due to be lifted on the second, so yesterday. And because they realised that they couldn't do another full lockdown because people wouldn't have it, 
they um, they entered what they call the tier system. So there's places, so like the Isle of Wight, where like my family lives, they're tier one, which means like pubs are open, restaurants are open, stuff, bar, bars and that. Um, but where I live, I'm in tier three, which is everything's closed. So I'm I'm still in lockdown. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They've just renamed it. Right. so that people don't kick off it's like oh thank god we're out of lockdown it's like mate what can you do now that you couldn't <laughs> do you know what i mean that you couldn't do a week ago you're still in lockdown <laughs> mate but um but what i've loved this time because the first lockdown um everyone went along with it like to the to the letter so when i would go out in the car to go and do some shopping or pick up some stuff for my daughter or whatever um you wouldn't see anyone on the roads like the roads were empty you'd hardly see people in the street and if you did see people in the street like They'd move out of your way. Like there was one guy, this is crazy, Billy, right? He had his child in his arms and he stepped out into the road to not walk past me. It's like, mate, I'm not as dangerous as a car, please. <laughs> you know? And so it was like that. It was crazy. But this time, you wouldn't really know. Like all the cars were on the roads, people were out, people were with their families in in kids' play areas and and just getting on with life. Which is encouraging because um you know, at some point we have to have our lives back. And um, so the second lockdown was was not as bad, really. Um, and yeah, so we've got this tier system now. But again, people aren't going along with it. People are just kind of whatever, just carry on with my life, thanks, which is encouraging. Well, yeah, it is actually. Like, I mean, um, you know, there's a lot of factors for that. Like here in, in, in New York, we're probably going to ease into a lockdown at some point. I mean, that's just everything is pointing in that direction. Uh, our governor is saying that uh, there's so many spikes in, in uh, you know, uh, what is it, in COVID cases, diagnosis or whatever, that they're going to be forced to take uh, extreme action, right? They already closed down the schools for two weeks and they reopened them. There is dialogue, uh, which is encouraging about, um, and this is in the mainstream, Gareth, talking about uh, how kids, you know, aren't really, you know, affected by this as much and the schools are actually not a bad place for for kids to be this is in the mainstream that's why that's encouraging because they're actually having a dialogue about it openly you know but um they're talking about uh closing non-essential businesses again that'll be a dagger we can't do that oh yeah we we, yeah. we we just cannot do that but but there's a lot of reasons why i think people are up and about right there's a lot of time between the first lockdowns and the second lockdowns now we know what we're dealing with you know, we know uh, that it's if you believe that there's a virus that exists or not. Right. There's a either you don't believe that it exists and you're out in the opening like screw this. Right. Or it does exist, but it's not half as deadly as they said, as they said it was. Right. And this is openly being discussed as well. So people are out there doing what they need to do. And uh, bottom line is um, lockdowns, I feel, are counterproductive. We can we we, we we can't do this again. We just we just cannot. Go ahead. No, you're right. I was just agreeing with you 100% that they're counterproductive. Absolutely, they are. And the thing is, you're completely right, you know, whether you, and I see this a lot with the protests in, in Britain, because there are a lot of protests now, and they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger, tens of thousands of people now, um, where some people in the audience, like, because I speak at some of these um, protests, like, some people in the audience think it's a bioweapon from a Wuhan lab. Some think it's just a virus that came from bat soup. Some people think that there isn't a virus, but actually it doesn't really matter because the death, the mortality rate is so, you know, it's it's so ridiculous um, that actually it doesn't really matter what you believe, whether you believe it's a bioweapon, it's a real virus or whether it's not a virus. Because like you say, like 
it's not anything like we were told it was. Right. So actually, um, even if it's completely real when it came from a bat soup because some guy was scranning on a bat wing or whatever, the story goes, <laughs> um, even if even if it is that, then, you know, it's not deadly and it, and it, it shouldn't be um, causing people to lose their lives. And, and there was a tragic video the other day. There was a protest in London. And this guy, and he's a, you know, he's a big guy as well. I don't know why that really makes a difference, but he was sobbing, right, really sobbing because he'd lost everything because of this lockdown. He'd lost his business, his home, everything. Okay. And then he went to this protest, obviously, because, you know, <laughs> of course you would. And he got arrested <laughs> and he was being manhandled by the police into a police van. And he's just sobbing. And you're just like, mate, this is not, this is not about a virus anymore. It's yeah. not. Um, you know, that one of the government advisors came out yesterday, you know, cause here they're rolling out the vaccine mm. and they've just given the vaccine, uh, producer five, FIFA, they've just given them, um, um, immunity from prosecution. Mm. Yeah, I so, mean, well, that's what they do to all these vaccine companies at this point, right? They, yeah. It's, it's madness, madness, but, but so they're rolling that out and, um, uh, they've, I mean, they're up to about four and a half billion in payouts, this particular company for damages in the last 20 years. So they're rolling that out to, to everyone. And, um, this guy who's a, like I say, a government advisor, he said yesterday, um, in a, in a press conference that even when the vaccine comes out, we're still going to have to wear masks right, right. and we're still going to have to socially distance for years. The same verbiage being used here. Exactly. It's crazy. You're going to get the it's vaccine. Crazy. And you're still going to have to do these things. Uh, you know what, Gareth, man? I, I While I, I thought the worst when this happened, I thought we'd be out of it, I don't know, six months to a year. This isn't going away. No, 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 no. Yeah. I, I said, actually, the other week that the masks, and this was before this Van Tan guy, um, if he thinks he's like, you know, like a Belgian action actor or whatever, but something Van Tan. He, um, even before he said it, I, I said like that, these masks are permanent. They'll try and make them permanent. And what they'll do is they'll say, because the flu's disappeared, um, a lot of it because it's been re-diagnosed, re but um, they'll say, because the flu's disappeared, it's disappeared because we wear masks now, and so we should keep wearing masks. I can, I can, I, that's what they'll do. And I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not wearing a mask. Well, I'm no, not doing I mean, it. Uh, it's I, I, don't, I don't wear it. Most of the time, because I forget, to be honest with you, <laughs> I think everything's okay. So I'm like, yeah, let me walk outside. And, and by everything's okay, I mean, I think things are normal, right? That I'm walking around without a mask and it's not an issue. And then I walk into a supermarket and I'm like, oh, damn, you know, because they're like, hey, where's your mask? Oh, I forgot. So I got to go back home and get it. Or I typically travel with some if, I'm, if I have my book bag. Like I need to do this in order to, in order to live. Right. I'm, I'm here in the city. I can't grow my own food. I mean, I guess I can to a certain degree, but there's I, I need to get other stuff. Right. And um, and I have to wear a mask in order to do that. Plus, over here in New York, and I've said this in, in on uh, on several shows, you know, th there are people that that were affected by this thing, whether you believe it's real or not. Th there were people that were affected by this thing. And um, and they're pretty pissed off about it. Like if people walk around without a mask, they're like, dude, you know, wear your mask. I'm not going to be the one to tell them. No, I'm not wearing a mask, man. Get, get it together. And then they're like, yeah, I lost my grandma because of this. You know, whether they did or didn't. I mean, they, they definitely lost their grandma. Was it because of COVID? That's debatable. But um, I'm not going to be the asshole to sit there and, and, and argue with them. I'm just not like I'm not in that position. I'm, I'm not going to do it. You know, so um, if if people demand it 
I do it. I know, I know it, what we need to do is, uh, or what people are saying you need to do is just fight this at all costs. And, and, and I get that. So, you know, but um, different circumstances here. It, 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 uh, it affected a lot of people, in particular people of uh, African-American descent and Latin American descent. And this is where I live. You know, um, so I, I got to see a lot of it. it. It touched me in a couple of ways. Thank, thankfully, it never made it to the final circle. Like I, I was really thinking in April and and uh, after that, I was really thinking, I'm like, how long is it going to be before this thing knocks on my door? That's how many people I was seeing, like getting something and, and getting symptoms. And uh, I, I mean, I believe it's real personally. So um and I, and I saw this. I experienced a lot of things. I'm not a virologist, so what the hell do I know? But uh, I, I believe it's a real deal. But th that's why I wear the mask for people, not necessarily for me. I, I, I don't wear it nine times out of ten. But this is going to be a problem moving forward, right? And now they're talking about this vaccine, and this is not something I want to get, right? And, and uh, it's, I look at it like an iPhone, too. Like, people run out and get the iPhone, and then it's defective. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to be hurt by this thing. Right. And, and now they're going to roll it out here in the States, too. It's only a matter of, of, of weeks. But what I want to ask you is, what do you think about this vaccine? Right. Because warp speed here in, in the United States, they just pumped it out. It takes 10 to 15 years sometimes to to yeah. to create an effective vaccine. The, the initial SARS uh, SARS virus, they still don't have a vaccine for it. You know what I mean? So how did they expedite this thing? Did, did they have it? Or is it just a bunch of nonsense in your explanation? Like, well, how did they expedite this thing to the point that they pumped it out in a few months and, and it's ready for distribution? I think they already had it. Right. I think they already had it. Whatever's in it, you know, they're, they're desperate to get it into people. And like you just said, like the first SARS, you know, there's no vaccine. Swine flu, we didn't need a vaccine. You know, coronaviruses, generally, there's hundreds of them. Right. Never needed a vaccine, never had a vaccine for it. You can't, you know, there's never been a a vaccine for a coronavirus before because they mutate so quickly that you can't do it but all of a sudden this is here um there's obviously something that they want to get into everyone because you know we've, we've gone here in the uk at least now where wales which is obviously a, a smaller country as part of the united kingdom have openly said that they're producing id cards that they will give out to every member of society that will tell them when you know whether they've been vaccinated or not or, or and will also tell them when they need to get their second shot or whatever and um they're now openly saying we've got we've got a vaccine minister here now mm. i mean like it's some serious 1984 stuff that um and he's openly saying that bars restaurants football grounds music venues they will require you to have your vaccine identification card to go right. and to do anything and that, that was the term he used that you will basically need one if you want to do anything right so so what they're doing is is because legally they can't really mandate it they can't make it mandatory so that you know the army can turn up at your door and hold you down while you, someone sticks a needle in you <laughs> um because obviously that goes against the nuremberg code and when you start sort of you know reversing things from the nuremberg code then even the most asleep people will start to ask a few questions like, hang on a minute, didn't, wasn't that made to like stop the Nazis? This isn't good. Um, <laughs> so what they've done is to get around that is they're using coercion. So it's like, no, 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 it's fine. Like, it's not mandatory. You don't have to get it. If you don't want to get the vaccine, don't get the vaccine. But you can't fly on an airplane and you can't work and you can't um, 
because the employers will require you have it and you can't shop in this shop and you can't go to this pub or this restaurant and you can't watch the football anymore and your kids can't go to school. And do you know what I mean? Well, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So, so lots of people will literally just go out and get it because they have to, or they feel like they have to. Um, so it is mandatory, but they, but they can't say it's mandatory. Right, right, right. I mean, you that's know? the way to do it, right? If, if you're going to, I'm sorry to interrupt you, buddy. Uh, I'll throw it right back at you. But but that's the way to do it if you're gonna do it right. If you if you actually um, force it on people, like you said, people are going to rebel. That's the the best way to wake people up. They force it on people in other ways. This is this is how they do, and this is what I'm. And we'll t we'll touch on it a little more throughout the course of the interview. Um, uh, the the mass manipulation of a people through through emotion, and and uh, I I do want to talk about that with you. But um, that's the way they do it. Like uh, you want to go see Rage Against the Machine, um. You got to go get vaccinated. You know, I, I had I had tickets to go see Rage this summer, and it was the first time they got back together. And, um, you know, that got canceled, of course. But uh, Ticketmaster just said, if you want to go to a concert, you know, you have to receive a vaccine. And I think that's the way it's going to be carried out. Like, if you want to work here, you have to take this vaccine. If you want to come into this national park, you have to take this vaccine. If you want, and, and, and you know, it's a... Uh, it's limited. It's not not everything, but maybe it will be everything at some point. And that's the way they'll make it, uh, you know, mandatory. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Exactly that. What people need to do is is stick together in numbers. And so, you know, that's happened quite a lot throughout this whole thing. So when the mask mandate came in, obviously in the UK, there are um, exemptions. So my wife, for instance, has like a crazy low VO2 max in her, her lungs. Um I have no idea why, but she does, and she's always struggled with it. So if she wore a mask, she'd be on the floor, like she'd pass out, simple as that. Right. Um, so she's exempt, and so she's given like an exemption lanyard, and so that's fine. And in 99.99% of shops, people are cool, you know, like, like that's fine, she's exempt, that's fine, it's not a problem. Um, but there's a few where you just get, you know, scumbags, where it's, I don't care if you're exempt, you're not coming in. And so I've seen quite a few groups now pop up on Facebook. There's one on the Isle of Wight where my family lives, which is very good, where basically people will come into the group having had an experience. And they'll say, you know, so I went to such and such store and the guy did X, Y and Z. And everyone then works as a unit and they go, right, OK, add that to the boycott list. Right. We're not going there then. And then someone else will come in. Like my mum went in and went like, you know, I've just gone to this shop in this little village, blah, blah. They're amazing. there. like they were really nice. They did this. They did that. blah, And everyone went, right. Well, that's where we're shopping then. And so all this group of people and there's a few thousand people in this group now they were then going to different stores so it's kind of like if you if, if you if you um appreciate freedom and human rights then you're going to make a lot of money and if you don't appreciate freedoms and human rights then you're going to watch your bottom end fall out because people are going to stop shopping there and that's what's happened and that's what i think people need to do so it's like okay Ticketmaster, if you think that i have to have a vaccine to come to your show i won't buy tickets from Ticketmaster anymore i'll go to StubHub. Or I'll go wherever else. Right. I just won't buy from Ticketmaster. And it won't take long, you know, till the CEO of Ticketmaster's going, uh, what's going on? Un <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They, what's, what's going on? Yeah, I mean, you're right. Unless they uh, strike a deal with the venues, you know, and then you're screwed, right? If you want to go. Because either if you buy Yeah, but, from, but then I guess uh, then I guess you go, right, I boycott that venue then. Right. And if it means you can't go to a gig for a year... Then so be it. You yeah. know, I'm, I know I know that's rubbish, but like I'm I'm the same here. Like I, I wanted to go. I'd like I like going abroad, like from England once a year, somewhere hot, spend a week in the sun, you know, just drink <laughs> some beer and just, you know, sit by the pool. But 
England's a beautiful country, man. And I'm like, okay, I'll holiday in England for a couple of years. That's fine. I don't have a problem doing that. We have beautiful summers here. We've got beautiful beaches. I'll spend my money in England. I'll look after English companies and I'll just, you know, we'll, we'll go abroad when this blows over. That's my attitude to it. But I've also got friends that are like, mate, I need to go away in the summer. Just put it in my arm. I mean, I saw one one girl on Twitter because she, she was talking about being able to go to a concert, and she was she she just wrote inject me now, and it's like, mate, wow. okay, so you've got an experimental vaccine. Like, so even if you're into vaccines, like I'm I'm not vaccinated, but even if you're into vaccines, right, yeah. you've got a, an experimental vaccine that's never been used on humans before, right? It's never been used. Okay, fine. So that's already you know suspect. Um, you've had very minimal trials, certainly no long term trials. Um, they've only used healthy people in the trials. So in England, at least they're giving the vaccine to over eighties first, but no one over the age of 65 was used in the trials. Okay. Well, that's weird. Um, how do you know how it's going to affect an 80 year old? How do you know how it's going to affect someone with, with critical illnesses, which are the next on the list after the over eighties? Um, so you don't know how it's going to affect you. You don't know the long-term, um, you know, damage that's going to be done, um, especially like you said at the very start, you know, it takes 10 years yeah. to, to develop least. a vaccine. Exactly. At least I think the average is, is, is just shy of 20 years. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, this has been knocked up in 20 minutes, apparently behind, <laughs> you know, a subway in a car park. And so, <laughs> and so um, you know, people are just happy to get that and, and they don't go, okay, so just real critical thinking. So here the approval for the vaccine was given by the um, MHRA, right? So the MRHA is supposed to be independent, but it's made up of big pharma people and just within the last 12 months received just under a million dollars, no, just under a million pounds, sorry, from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, who are the people who are the biggest investors in the producers of the vaccine. Well, there's a loop there, mate, like of absolute conflict of interest. Right. And so no one seems to be asking these questions, you know, it's crazy. And um Another big question. I found this out today, actually, which was which was really crazy. So we're supposed to be, hence why we had a second lockdown and why we're in a tier system now. It's all to protect the NHS, you know, because it will get overwhelmed. Well, in December 2019, there were 8,000 beds free in the NHS. All the others were used. So it was 8,000 free beds in the NHS. Now there's 13,000 free, mm. right? So there's less people in hospital now than there were in hospital last year before COVID existed. Okay. And not only that, but because they've made the wards socially distant now, they've taken out 13,000 beds as well. Mm. So I'm looking at that. I'm going, well, hang on a minute. So there's 18,000. There's an 18,000 difference then. Yeah. You know, so there's 18,000 more free beds now than there were last year before COVID existed. Well, how does that work if we're in a pandemic? Mm. It doesn't work. And so what it suggests is we don't need a vaccine. <laughs> right. Do you know what I mean? Whatever you believe about the virus, if you believe it's real, bioweapon, whatever, it's come through, it's done its thing, it's gone. Yeah, you know, it's gone. I, I don't disagree with you there, man. Um, yeah. Even some some mainstream virologist will will admit that a lot of the people that died here in New York uh, is uh, because they were intubated, not necessarily because oh, yeah. of the virus. You know, they'll oh, yeah, admit that openly at this point. That. Yeah. Right. And I um, saw some horrific videos, mate, from New York. It yeah, was just yeah. heartbreaking, man. Yeah, man. It was crazy. It was crazy. And it, people didn't know what to think. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was crazy, you know, but now, now people are figuring it out more or less, but, but they're still very scared, like you said, and, and they want to live their lives. So they're ready to you know, just, just inject me so I can go abroad, just inject me so I can go see a concert. Right. And, um, 
that that brings me to my next question, man. Um, how? Listen, here in the states, people are literally calling for martial law now. I don't know if you're aware of this. Yeah, um, um, that um, doesn't shock me, mate. General General Michael Flynn is is uh, is uh, and Roger Stone are calling for martial law, so Donald Trump can stay in office and um, and have new elections. Literally, this came out yesterday, right? Um, and people are openly supporting it. That's the that's the part that that gets me. You know, wh- whether you're a Trump uh, um, uh, fan or not, martial law is martial law. Like <laughs> you would think somebody would say, "Hey, ease up on that. We don't necessarily need that. Let's stop the nonsense. You can't even do that. Like this is illegal. You understand?" But but whatevs, people are openly supporting it. They're like, yeah, let's do it. We got to get we got to get the Dems out of office, so let's do martial law. Whatever it takes to fit their worldview. This is what's going on now in not only in the alternative media but in the world in general. People just want to do in order to get their way. How confident are you that people like you and I like our groups can push back enough to make a change here and how long would that take? Um, I'm confident because you have to be. If I wasn't, like, I'm, I might as well just jump off the Golden Gate Bridge now, mate. So, I mean, it's one of them. It's like without hope with nothing. Yeah. Um, but I do, I do feel that people are are starting to wake up to stuff. Um, and it's a weird one because sometimes, like, people are kind of lashing out in certain ways and they're waking up in, but not quite. So I'll see people that are like, you know, talking like quite pro-Trump or whatever, but they're also talking about the deep state and it's like, okay, like I'm not a fan of Trump. I'm not a fan of any of them, but at the same time, okay. But you're, but all of a sudden you're aware of the deep state. You're aware of the 1%. Now, if I'd have told you about the deep state and the 1% as I did like a year ago, two years ago, you'd have laughed in my face, told me I was wearing a tinfoil hat or whatever other ridiculous insults you find on the list, um, that they reel off every time. Um, and so that's encouraging that people are actually kind of starting to be a bit more open than well, actually, you know, actually, something is going on here. There is something happening. And um, what was really crazy, mate, like, I, I have a lot of mates that kind of think quite similarly to me and you politically. Um, and they kind of don't trust government and they can see through lies generally. And they've learned to sort of question everything. So if a government tells you something, you go, right, OK, let's have a little dig around to see what that actually means. Right. But when it came to this, they're absolute bedwetters. And have gone completely the other way. And so you're looking, I'm looking, I'm going, mate, like these are these are the figures. What are you talking about? And they're like, no, you know, I've, I've got I've got this people that I don't even like talk to and they don't talk to me anymore. People that go way back. It's crazy. That sucks, um, man. It sucks. Yeah, it's just odd, you know, but 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 that's what's happened, though, is that people are so sure that they're right. And because they're so sure that they're right, your opinion doesn't matter if it doesn't agree with them because right. you must be wrong by definition. Therefore, you need to shut up. <laughs> and that's kind of how people have it. So there's me and you. like We have differing opinions on the virus and whatever, but we're sat here chatting like mates because that's what humans do, Absolutely. or at least they should. Yeah. But um, but a lot of people won't have that, and it confused me. So I gave this speech in Birmingham, and I was saying, like, this is a psychological war. Like, I'm literally watching people psychologically flip and act in a way that is, just doesn't make any sense to me. And, it, and it's, it's very odd. I feel like they're... They're being manipulated in a way like this isn't normal. Right. And then 
I found something online. I've got it in front of me, actually. And it, someone tweeted it, and I'd never seen it before. So forgive me if I'm like, you know, teaching you to suck eggs if you've heard this a million times. But it was something called Biderman's Chart of Coercion, right? Now, it was published, this bit I've got here was published by Amnesty International. It goes back into the 70s. And so what it was, it's a tool designed to demonstrate and explain coercive methods of stress manipulation used to torture prisoners of war. So basically going back into Vietnam, going back into the Second World War, how they got prisoners to act in a certain way, give up information, X, Y, and Z. And you go through it, mate, right? There's eight of them. It's insane. Like when you apply it to, to what's happened to us in both our countries over the last sort of 10 months. The first one is isolation. Well, there you go. There's your lockdown. Right. The second one is monopolization of perception. So controlling what they can and can't see. Right. The censorship's absolutely insane. Right. Humiliation and degradation. So they were saying, you know, make um, resistance more costly than compliance. So obviously, you know, you've got your fines. You've got you getting chucked into a back of a police wagon if you protest or whatever. Don't wear a mask. You get, you know, the treatment. Yeah. Um, you know, exhaustion, that's one thing lots of people have noted is just how tired everyone is at the moment. They're just tired and exhausted emotionally, spiritually, physically, to be fair. Um, threats, again, you know, outline the cost of non-compliance. Um, occasional indulgences, this was a great one because I thought they'd cancel Christmas here. I just thought they would, they, you know, we wouldn't get Christmas. And my wife said, no, nah, they'll give us Christmas, but then they'll lock us back down again in January. And then I saw this and it was in cage, occasional indulgences. And what it is, is positive motivation for compliance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean, right? And the yeah, next yeah. one was demonstrating omnipotence, obviously just showing power. But what was funny on this is one of the variants of it was showing complete control over the victim's face. And I'm thinking, right, well, you're making everyone wear a mask. Wow. wow. Uh, and then the final one, forcing trivial demands, which was absolutely insane because I was literally like, man, they've gone through the list here, mate. Like it, develop, <laughs> it develops a habit of compliance. Um, and so the, the, the forcing trivial demands, it's insane. So in England, like if you go to a, a bar, you have to wear a mask until you sit down. Then you can take your mask off and then you can sit there in that room for hours with everyone. But if you leave, you have to wear a mask to leave. It's like, mate, I've just been sat in the room for like three hours with these guys. What do you mean I've got to wear a mask to walk five yards to the door? What are you talking about? Um, and so there's just ridiculous, trivial demands. And what they do is if I can get you, mate, if I can get you to do something that you know is ridiculous, like you know it's stupid, but I can get you to do it anyway, like the cowboy shooting at your feet, like dance. Yeah. Uh, then that's just destroying you psychologically. It's taking away any self-esteem, any self-worth, and you become then more compliant and more malleable because you're weak. Do you know what I mean? And it's just like, I just read that and I was like, mate, they, they have just gone through the list. And then it just made me think like all these people that I used to like think, man, they're switched on. They've just, they've just been done by the chart of coercion. <laughs> they've man, just I, been done by it. I've it's seen crazy. it. I've seen it, Gareth. You're not wrong. You're not, you're not wrong. I've, I've seen people, like, like you said, people that I thought were completely switched on have just gone completely in a different direction. You know, um, and, and that list, I wasn't aware of the list. Please send me a link to that at some point. I will, um, mate, yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, it, it does lead to, to a little bit of a, of, a, of a bigger conversation. And I want to switch gears in a bit because I want to talk to you about the walk. Um, oh, um, magic. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I want to do that if, if that's cool. But um, I, I, think, I think the population as a whole has been worked. I think, um, like you said, it's not normal what's going on. I, 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 we're under some type of spell. Something's up. In my opinion, um, I and you know, I could we can trace it back a, a lot further. But the thing that did it for me was Cambridge Analytica and what they were able to do 
and how they were able to manipulate perception. And I think it's a mass warfare. You said it was psychological warfare. It's military-grade psychological warfare at this point. And I think that's what's going on here. I, I think that's why everybody is so divided, and it's uh, on purpose. And we're playing, well, I don't, I don't even know if we're playing right into it. They, they know what makes us tick, admittedly, right? They, they know what to say and who to say it to. And they know how to make it spread. You know, and and I think that's what's happening here. It's psychological warfare, and um, I I don't know how we break out of it. I, I'm sure we can. I I just don't know how. You know, I'm 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 at a loss for words. A lot of times, I'm I'm at a I'm at a loss for how to tell how to how to communicate this to people so they can kind of figure out what's you know that that not that I have it all figured out because I I don't. But I, I mean, I just I I feel like we we are we, we've been roped into something here. Like we're caught up in a fishnet, but we don't know it, you know, and, and no, go ahead. You're right. Go ahead. I think half the battle is, is the knowing though. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it's like, it's that whole kind of scenario where if you're, if you make the, the bars in a prison in, invisible, then people won't know they're in prison. They'll just think they're in a house or whatever. But as soon as those bars are visible, then people are going to start trying to break out because they're aware of it. And I think maybe that's half the battle. And that's all I try and do with these protests is just, just speak and just point these things out to people. And also what I do purposely at the protest is I only ever use government data and I only ever use their own figures. So I don't stand there and go, well, this is what I believe. Yeah. I, I, I make, because obviously people can dismiss that and go, well, you're wrong. But it's <laughs> like, okay. And then obviously they're entitled to do that, but I, I will always only ever use their own data back at them. Um, and I think that's important to do that and try and make people aware of what's happening. But you're, you're completely right. And I don't know, know what the deal is with the US government but I know with our government here um, the government is taking its advice on the whole pandemic thing um, not from virologists not from doctors but from a, 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 an organization called independent sage mm. which isn't in any way independent but it's made up of, of psychologists not not doctors and virologists so you're already sort of like hang on what do you mean psychologists and what's that got to do with a virus that doesn't make any sense um, and there's actually a, a part of the cabinet office um, called the Behavioral Insights Team, and they're advising SAGE. So you've got the government advising SAGE, who are advising the government, right? So it's the government then. And um, what the Behavioral Insights Team are is they're known um, as a bit of a nickname as the nudge unit. And what they do is they they nudge people into a way of thinking. So if I want you to do something, Billy, then I, I kind of like, I will analyze you. I'll say, right, okay, so what's his family situation? What's X, Y, and Z? And I can find what buttons I need to press to make you think something and therefore react in a certain way. Right. And that's what they're doing. And so you've got the nudge unit telling Sage what to tell the government to then tell us. And that's exactly what they're doing. It's a psychological thing. Um, and it's it's bizarre. And the division is crazy. You're right. I mean, obviously, in America, it's it's, you know, are you a Dem or, or, or a Republican? Um, here it's, you know, are you left or right? Are you Brexit or pro-EU? Um, are you, you know, obviously there's all the Black Lives Matter stuff that kicked off in the summer. Um, it's all just divisive stuff. And it's like, hang on, mate, it doesn't matter if you're in Black Lives Matter or Extinction Rebellion or, you know, Proud Boys or whatever. We're, we're all in this together. And, right. you know, it's not like it's not... It's not like the government's going to go, hang on, just, whoa, 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 oh, no, he's a proud boy. No, he's fine. No, 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 he's fine. Like, do you know what I mean? That's just, that's not going to happen, mate. Like, yeah, yeah. we're all, we're, and so 
they are obviously, and this is what encourages me a bit, mate, is they're obviously aware that if we all st- stood together, yeah. it's over, game over. Absolutely. Um, um, otherwise, they wouldn't have to try so hard to divide us. Um, and so that's the thing. And I, it's really encouraging at the protests here in, in Britain, as much as they get painted as far right or whatever occasionally, which is hilarious. When you've got people like my dad talking, do you know what I mean? But, um, but when you look at the audience, it's, it's, it's every color of the rainbow. It's every sexuality. You know, there's LGBT flags flying. There's, there's British flags flying. There's, there's MAGA hats. There's the whole lot. You know, what, why people wear MAGA hats in London? I don't know, but it is funny. But, (laughs) but there's, there's all these different people and you're like, do you know what, mate? Like there's, there's people in hijab standing next to people in MAGA hats. And to me, that's amazing. And that's what it's all about, you know, and um, and they are seeking so desperately to split it up that 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 gives me that gives me encouragement that I think, yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. They wouldn't be trying to do that if they weren't frightened of us. Well, they, they know for real. I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, they know if we come together, it's a wrap, you know, but th- that's the thing. It's so simple, but it's so complicated at the same time. And um yeah. You know, they've managed to rope us back into the system where we think that we're making a change here by by voting by the choices that they give us or, or you know, siding with the choices that they give us. And, and, uh, and that's the ultimate, the ultimate, you know, almost checkmate, man. Like it, it, it uh, not too long ago, we were really divorcing from this, at least here in the States. But now we're fully we're fully invested in this nonsense again. You know, yeah. um, and uh, and that's a part of the division. That's what it is. And like you said, uh, you know, everything else that's going on, all the social justice warriors and all the different factions that are going on and everybody's divided and everybody's right and everybody else is wrong, you know. And, and so they, they really managed to, to screw with us to that level. And um, yeah. it's so tribal. Right. Isn't it? Right. Right. It's right. so tribal. Like It's funny with, when I look at Trump and. And Biden, like, you know, I get stick off both sides because I don't support either. Like, for me, it's like yeah, Hillary and Trump. Right. It's like AIDS v. cancer. Which one do you want? Cheers. Exactly. Um, but I, I just think, like, particularly the left, like, that what they're willing to ignore of, of Biden's history, character, corruption, what they're willing to ignore of that while attacking Trump for exactly the same is extraordinary to me. It's really odd. And and um, so it's a one party state because they're both as bad as each other. And it's right. the same here. And, and it's an unbelievable example of that. Right. So a couple of days ago, they had to have a vote on whether to carry on these restrictions. Right. And so the government put forward that, yeah, we want to carry on these restrictions, which are killing people for various different reasons suicide being one of them, but also one being that, you know, when these lockdowns happen, people aren't getting. The, the care that they need for other illnesses, uh, cancers and, and heart disease and stuff like that. So they're dying as a result of it. Um, you know, people losing their jobs, their livelihoods, their, 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 their reason for being, you know, everything. Like, you know, my, my wife's grandparents haven't hugged the rest of the family for 10 months. That's not normal. They're in their 70s and not hugged the family for 10 months God because, bless. you know, a big fat milky bar kid, Boris Johnson told them they couldn't. You know, it's madness. But... So you've got all that going on. And so there was a vote. And so the apparent opposition, the Labour Party, um, abstained. They abstained on the vote, didn't vote. So it just went through and the government carried on with the restrictions. And so you look at that and you go, like, what is the point of an opposition then? If you're not even going to vote, they didn't even vote. 
They just went, no, no, we will abstain. Yeah. Why, why, why are you there? <laughs> why, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. could you imagine that in like Congress or whatever? Like all the Dems going, I'm not bothering. You just go, what are you doing? Like, aren't you supposed to oppose? Like, it's just madness, mate. But it just shows it's a one-party state, and it doesn't matter who you vote for because the government gets in. Right, 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 man. Um, um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about this, and I, hopefully, I can find the clip, and I'll play it at the end. If, I, if I don't find the clip, um, please forgive me. But um, you were talking about, you know, this, the, the different stages that they make people, you know, um, how people are manipulated or whatever, and it just brought me back to uh, the Simpsons. I don't know. If uh, if the Simpsons are a thing over there, or if you oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. but way back in the day, you know, and, and Homer was dying because he ate some puffer fish. I don't know if you remember yes. this episode. <laughs> yeah, I remember it. Yeah. yeah. So um, and he went through all the state through the five stages of grief. I think he went through them in a couple of minutes, and it just reminded me of what you said. I'm gonna play that at the end because it's classic. Anyway, listen. Um, let's switch gears real quick and and talk about the walk. I I thought this was a fascinating uh concept right and um and it's up on iconic now it's 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 a new show uh that you spent some time filming i, I want to talk about the future of it at this point with uh what's going on now but uh, give us an overview of of what it is and, and how it got started if you don't mind so so basically i i love walking that's the first thing like i love it and so i'll you know i mean my sort of punk rock days are over uh, so my weekends, if I've not got, you know, <laughs> if my wife's away, you know, on the Isle of Wight with the little one, and so I'm, you know, obviously on my Todd, I'll go out walking in, up in the Peak District. Yeah. Um, I live in Derbyshire, so it's, it's like a dead beautiful area. And so I just go out walking and do like 30 miles and, you know, have a couple of beers and on the route and whatever. And um, and I, I used to watch a TV show here called Walking Through History. And it was a guy called Tony Robinson, who um, was an actor. Um, a comedy actor back in the 80s and he you know I mean he's like you know he's a, a pompous Blairite guy but I used to enjoy the show a lot but what he would do is he would talk to you know your bog standard historian so if he went to Stonehenge he would talk to like some professor from the University of Oxford or whatever who would give you the generic textbook this is what it was and I just thought you know like there's so many other people out there that are writing books on Stonehenge and Avebury and you know houses of parliament or whatever jack the ripper um different history that's actually like you know the beauty about history particularly prehistory is like no one knows the answer no one knows for sure like there's no right answer about who built stonehenge because you've literally got no way of knowing so that's quite exciting so i thought why don't i do basically walking through history but a little bit more fun you know less pompous and um talk to people that are coming from a completely alternative view of you know of what these things are. Um, you know, I've always thought like, if you split the word history into two syllables, you've got his story anyway. Yeah. And you know, who's, who's he that told that story and what did he gain from telling it? You know, so this is one of those things, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and so that was it. So yeah, first episode I walked from Stonehenge to Avery, it was about 27 miles and spoke to a couple of guys about, um, crop circles and UFO sightings and all this kind of stuff. And, just dead interesting things about the Ministry of Defense and how they'd taken over these certain villages. Fantastic. And it was just, yeah. And then, so then I, I did a few more. I walked a, a length of the Isle of Wight. I walked in Derbyshire. That was about 35 miles. That that was a brutal one. Um, <laughs> but my, it was actually my favorite, though. But like we went to Stone Circles. We, we went to... Um, it, it airs on Iconic on Saturday, actually, this one, the Derbyshire one. And, and it was my favorite. And I'll tell you why. Because... 
the the historian that I spoke to uh, on part of it was a Derbyshire girl who had grown up here and lived here for 50 years. And I loved that because I thought that was so much better than talking to some pompous professor with letters after his name <laughs> who was probably from London and had read about Derbyshire in a book, whereas this girl was like, what woman? Was like, you know, lived here her whole life. Right. And so we were at this mill, and it's a very famous mill called Lytton Mill, and basically there was a story of a kid there, horrific, horrific treatment. And it's what um, Oliver Twist was was built on, 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 on the story of that, right. um, the Charles Dickens story. And so basically this, this story went how you had um, a man who owned this mill who used child slavery from orphanages in London, right? So, so white child slaves, some of them four or five years old, horrific. And, um, and then they, the, the, the wife, um, their, her family ran a slave ship and then the, the husband of her sister ran a plantation, right? So you had black slaves in, um, in the Caribbean, um, picking, the cotton it was shipped over and then white slaves were, were you know doing it. and it just encapsulated for me this whole thing like we've spoke about before where it, it's we're all in this together yeah like you know what i mean there's there's no there's no um you know black we're both slaves mate we're both slaves right um and and that was just the story I and mean, it was emotional but the story was just dead powerful for me and it was just like this is it just says it all like from the beginning you've had those that have and those that haven't and it's not about race it's about you know it's about the vulnerable of of all races you know that that are that are you know manipulated and exploited and stuff like that so that was that was interesting and and you know we just i just loved making the series i mean the, the you know because we did it ourselves and i you know, directed it and wrote it and um, got the guests and all that sort of stuff. I was kind of doing it all on my own a bit. And then Rich thankfully came in and got involved and helped Rich Willett. I'm sure you, you've spoke to before. Oh, probably. Man. Um, uh, Richard Willett saves my life. So uh, shouts to him. All oh, right. Yeah, of course. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so he, he was great. And, um, but we've got loads of plans for the second series already and we're going to do it in Wales and, you know, the production, I mean, the production value was okay anyway, it was pretty good, but, you know, we, we've got more cameras now, we've got more people now, so the second series will be better, and then, we, you know, we we're just going to expand it, and, and hopefully once, you know, all this, you know, vaccine passport nonsense has been thrown out, I want to do it in America. You know, I want to come, yeah, I come I was, and walk, I was gonna walk, say. walk around New York City, mate, it'd be amazing. You, you beat me to the punch. You've been beating me to the punch this entire interview, okay? Sorry, mate. Fall Sorry. back, Gareth. Anyway... <laughs> No, I was great, man. You could go and, you know, and this was the other thing as well. Like when yeah. I was meeting these historians, yeah. we was we were meeting in the pint in the pub and we're having a pint. Right. A pint of beer and chatting about history and stuff. And I thought, you know, like that's great. And there was loads of bits in it where I would like, you know, <laughs> make a mistake because <laughs> I was so tired. Like I'm I'm not an idiot when it comes to TV. I know that, you know, when you watch these TV series, like the guy says something to camera, walks then they cut and he gets back in the Range Rover and they drive off to the next scene. Do you know what I mean? I know for a fact he's not walking 30 miles. Like he's about five foot tall anyway. He's definitely not doing that. No chance. But I wanted to make it real. So I was like, no, I'm going to walk it. Like, you know. And so by the end, like I'm tired, man. I'm shattered, especially because we filmed it in the summer. It's yeah. so hot. And so I am kind of like just mispronouncing words and whatever. And it was like, <laughs> I know that if it was on the BBC, you go, right, and cut. Right. Can we just do that one more time, please? Because you mispronounced that word. And it's like, no, 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 we're leaving it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's real, you know. Make it I've as just authentic as possible. Right. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, 
and so that was our kind of idea for it was just to make it as real as possible and just have a, a genuine rather than a pompous you know guy that went to some private school with plums in his mouth just have a regular bloke walking about talking to people and the reaction's been quite good, so hopefully people like it. You know, it's fantastic, man. I, I thought it was great. Like in particular, I, I love to walk. I, that's all I do. I, I don't own a car. I'm here in New York, so it's a bit different, right? Because I could just hop hop on on public transit and go. But I, I don't own a car. I walk everywhere. I used to walk uh, when when I was going to to school on campus before COVID. I would walk, and it's an hour walk from my house to to uh, to the school. Um, when I was working in Midtown in Manhattan, I worked in, in uh, literally on, on, on 51st Street. I would walk down to 106th Street to pick up my child. I would just do that. Like, I love to walk. I, I walk and I throw on my headphones and I listen to podcasts or audio books or sometimes I listen to music, you know, and I just walk. I just, I enjoy doing it. I still do it now. I, I, I take off and walk wherever. So um, whenever, you know, all of this clears up and you come to New York, you call me up and we will oh, do mate. the walk New York. Definitely. I, I, Definitely, will be, I will be your guide and I would love every minute of it. I'm not going to get tired. I don't know about you. You know, you're no, a personal no, mate. trainer. I love, I love New York as well, man. I, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm the same. Like, if I'm in New York, I just walk yeah. everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, when I was last there, I came over uh, two years ago to come and watch the Rangers um, play against New Jersey. And um, and so the next day, like, we, we were staying at... at um, the hotel Pennsylvania, like just opposite MSG. And I, exactly I, um, I got all kinds of bloody bug bites from staying in there, mate. Christ, <laughs> it's not the cleanest hotel. That. Sorry to hear but, that, but I, uh, I, um, yeah, I walked to, um, to Brooklyn brewery the next day, like walked to Brooklyn brewery, had oh. a few beers and walked back. Like it's miles, but it's, it's, I love it. Right, 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 right. So I, I'd love to see a New York, uh, version of the walk, you know, maybe LA, LA's dope, you know, um, Miami. Oh my gosh. You'd have a, a hell of a time at Miami Beach, um, Miami Beach doing a version, uh, a version of the walk. So, um, you know, that was I, a that was a little bit of a slip of the tongue there, wasn't hey, it? Hey, you know, but it's authentic and doing it's a real, virgin so on Miami Beach. Keep going. Oh, my wife would be too happy about that, mate. <laughs> hey, whatevs, man. But uh, regardless, man, uh, thank you for for coming on and, and and talking to us, man. I'm very much looking forward to new episodes of uh, of the walk, and uh, hopefully we can we can get it done. You know, and I'm optimistic that things will change. It's just. Uh, What's going to happen in order to facilitate that change? I'm not. I don't. I don't like it. You know. Um. We're in it now. This is a. This is a big deal. Like, uh, people have spoken about this in our community for a long time. We didn't get all the details right, but we're here. You know. Yeah. It's. It's time. You know. So. Um. Yeah. Let's see what develops. Regardless, we're going to live. Humanity is going to prevail. That's just the way it is. Um. But it's only a, a matter of time before we do that. Gareth, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you. For, for coming Mate, on the fringe absolute absolute joy and um we'll win in the end and just the, john lennon said um it'll be all right in the end and if it's not all right it's not yet the end right i live by that <laughs> that's dope absolutely man listen gareth tell everybody where they can find you man uh just um i'm on twitter a lot at the moment so just at gareth ike on twitter or um or gareth where i've just you know got all my stuff up there dope so um Come say hello, that'd be great. That's fantastic, man. And this is the Infinite Fringe, and uh, you can see the video of this on Iconic. Um, and, uh, you know, thank you for everybody that's listening. Subscribe and share, do the whole deal. You know, you, you, you know what to do. You know what to do. My name is Billy Ray Valentine. Take it easy, all right? Gareth, hold on. Bye bye.